0: Hi, I'm Mark Hoover, pastor here at New Spring, and I wanna thank you for joining us for this Christmas special. You know, you and I are living through what may turn out to be the strangest year of our lives. 2020 has had us scratching our heads time and time again, wondering what else can go wrong. And right now, our emotions are all over the page. For some, it's grief. For others, loss. And still others, anxiety about the future. But there's one thing we all feel, exhaustion. We're a weary world. But now, against the backdrop of that weary world in 2020, all of a sudden, it's Christmas. Our trees are up, lights are on the houses, presents under the tree, and it's time to celebrate. You know, we wouldn't be human if it didn't leave us more than a little bit confused. So what does Christmas mean to us this year, in 2020? A minute ago, you heard the song, O Holy Night. I think it's one of the most powerful songs ever written. In it, there's a particular line that may help us answer our question, the thrill of hope a weary world rejoices. Weary world, that's us. But the song says there's a hope in Christmas so wonderful, it can make even a weary world rejoice. A hope so wonderful that even though we've had a tough year, we can exchange our anxiety for peace and our sadness for joy. If I were hearing this, I might be more than a little skeptical. So let's ask the question. Just what is it about Christmas hope that can make a weary world rejoice? Let me share with you three answers. The first reason a weary world can rejoice is this. Christmas tells us God always keeps his promises. When people make us promises, we want them to follow through and not go back on their word. But in our world, people promise us a lot of stuff that never happens. It's so bad, we get used to it. For instance, we just finished a political season. We all know politicians make promises they won't or can't keep. I keep waiting for that politician who'll just say, I'm going to try my best. But many of us know broken promises on a much deeper level. A boss to get us to work harder promised a promotion that he never intended. A friend who said she'd always be there for you walked away. Or even worse yet, the person you gave your heart to stepped on it and left. But Christmas says God is different. The very story of Christmas proves that God always keeps his word. That night when Mary and Joseph laid the little baby in the manger, in that tiny moment, thousands of years of prophecy and promises came true. In the Bible's very first story, in Genesis 3, Adam and Eve had rebelled against God, and because of that sin, God's beautiful world and all creation was cursed and broken, doomed. But God's love for us couldn't let it stay that way. On the same day that Adam sinned, God made his first Christmas promise. He promised he would send a savior into our world who would defeat sin, redeem the human race, and make a way for us to live forever. God made it clear that his answer for this broken world was a baby. That was 4,000 years before Jesus was born. And that's just one promise, there's more. 1,400 years before Jesus was born, God promised a star would announce his birth. 1,000 years before, that Jesus would be a descendant of King David, and kings from foreign lands would come to bring him gifts. 750 years before Jesus was born, God promised that a virgin would give birth to him and that people would recognize him as God in human form. 500 years before that he would be born in Bethlehem, and there's so many more. Dr. Peter Stoner was chairman of the mathematics and astronomy departments at Pasadena City College. He led a team of his students in a research project. The challenge? To select just eight of the best known Old Testament prophecies about the life of Jesus and calculate the odds of their accidental fulfillment in just one person. The results? <laughs> one in 10 to the 17th power. To help us non math experts understand this number, he said cover Texas knee deep in silver dollars. Mark one with a check mark, then turn a blindfolded person loose in that mass of silver dollars. The odds that the first coin he'd pick up would be the one with the check mark are the same as eight prophecies being fulfilled accidentally in the life of Jesus. But Jesus didn't just fulfill eight, he fulfilled hundred and eight. At that first Christmas, God's promises came true. Not a single promise failed. God kept his word. If you wanna know why an exhausted people can rejoice this Christmas, just think about this. The same God who kept his promises when Jesus was born is the same God who'll keep his promises to you in 2020. Think about what God has promised you, that he'll know you better than you know yourself, that he'll be with you every day of your life, that he'll never abandon you, that he pays so much attention to you that he even keeps track of how many hairs are on your head. And most importantly, if you come to him, no matter how short you fall, he'll never give up on you. You've got God's word on this, and he never goes back on his word. So, how does Christmas hope make a weary world rejoice? God keeps his promises. And now number two, Christmas says God invites everyone to be part of his family. In the over 40 years that I've been pastoring, I've become convinced of something. I think there are a lot of people who'd be interested in knowing Jesus but they've just about given up because at some point man-made religion has made them feel like they didn't belong. Maybe they had a really bad experience. Have you ever felt pushed away by systematized religion? Did it ever make you feel less than? Can I have your permission to speak into that? Think about the nativity scenes we see at Christmas. Who's there around the manger? Mary and Joseph, the animals, three kings, and of course the Christ child. But there's some others I'd like you to take a closer look at the shepherds. Out of everybody in that stable, the shepherds were the most surprised to be there. They never dreamed they'd get an invitation to see the newborn Messiah. You see, back then, the temple was the place where people worshiped God and shepherds who'd been out in the fields were told not to come. They weren't allowed in because their job, keeping them out in the fields, made them ceremonially unclean. Their religion had said, you can't come in, not you, not you. Aren't those painful words? It could be the early memories are racing back to haunt you. You know, kids picking teams on the playground may have said, not you. The in-click in the high school you wanted to hang with may have said, not you. And yes, once again in America, we've seen the ugly specter of racism raise its head and say to millions, not you. Sadly, man-made religious systems have made God the ultimate victim of identity theft and left many feeling that even God may be saying, not you. The shepherds knew all about that. I'm sure not being invited broke their hearts, but it broke God's heart even more. So when he made out the guest list for the nativity, he put the shepherds at the top of the list. And he even told a choir of angels, go sing to the shepherds, sing to them and tell them they're invited. Tell them I don't want them to be weary anymore. I want them to rejoice because tonight, they're going to see the king. Tell them to come see Jesus. Nobody's gonna tell them they don't belong tonight. Well, the same God who sent the angels to sing to the shepherds is the God who is sending you an invitation right now. God says, you're invited. I'm inviting you to be part of my family because everyone is welcome. In 2020, even family celebrations are being limited by the coronavirus, but not in God's family. This Christmas, He wants you to know you're invited to be part of his family. The third reason is the biggest one yet. Christmas is about God rescuing our world. In 2020, it's easy to list the problems that face us. But the truth is, our biggest problem is inside of us. My biggest problem is me. If I'm completely honest, I would have to admit there's a brokenness inside of me that I can't fix. But if you join me in that moment of honesty, it helps us to know that problem is universal. The Bible puts it this way, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That fall short part is really interesting. You know, we tend to compare ourselves to other people and when others are bad, we can feel a little better about ourselves. But really, what difference does it make if we all come short? You know, sometimes I've been in conversations with people and I've asked them, do you think you're going to heaven? And they'll say something like this. Well, I think I'm a pretty good person. And yet God says, we all come short. But Christmas is good news. Christmas is about God sending his son to save us. In the carol, God rest You merry gentlemen, the song begins this way. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. That's the gospel in one sentence. You and I, we've gone astray. But that baby in a manger came on a rescue mission to save us from sin. Think about what the angel said to Joseph when he came to explain why Mary was pregnant. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Without Jesus, here's our problem. We can't get loose from our sins. Our wrong behavior is part of us, and it threatens to take us down for eternity. But the good news is, Jesus came to separate us from our sins. And if he could separate us from our sins, he could separate us from the punishment we deserve. God came to our world as a baby to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And that baby grew up to be a man. And when he was 33 years old, he laid his life down on a Roman cross and died to pay for all our sins. Three days later, he walked out of the grave under his own power, proving that he was everything he said he was. And now God has an offer on the table. Anyone who will invite Jesus into his life or her life can be forgiven and adopted into God's family forever. Jesus put it this way in the book of Revelation chapter three. Look, I've been standing at the door, the door of our hearts, and I am constantly knocking, Jesus said. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in. Someone might say, Mark, this seems too good to be true. Let me tell you a story. Back in 2006, CNN did a piece on a guy named Wilfredo Garza. Wilfredo grew up in Mexico, and for years, he crossed the border back and forth into Texas, trying to earn some money. Time and time again, immigration services would send him back. For 35 years, Wilfredo dreamed about how wonderful it would be to actually become a U.S. citizen, but it was a hope that seemed too good to be true. One day, he got up enough courage to go see an immigration attorney. After looking into his background, the attorney called him in for some very surprising news. He said, well, Fredo, I know your whole life you've crossed the border back and forth and you thought you were here illegally, but I've got paperwork here that says your dad was born in Houston. That means he was a US citizen and therefore you are too. This is the official document. It says so right here. If you feel like it's too good to be true that there's a God who keeps his promises, and invites you to be part of his family and who has offered to save you. Here's the official paperwork and it says it right here in the book of Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How can it be so simple? Well, the paperwork answers that question too. In Ephesians chapter two, verse eight, the Bible says God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. It's Christmas. and We know what a gift is. It's not something you earn. You just reach out and accept it. Did you know that you could do that right now? Wherever you are, you don't have to be in a church. You can receive the greatest gift in your life right now if you'd like to. Let me go a step further. It may feel like you kind of stumbled on this program, maybe just surfing the channels. But this moment is no accident. It's a God moment. So here's what I'm about to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that calls out to God. I'll pray each line slowly so that you can think about it and think about whether you want to say these things to God. These aren't magic words, but if you mean them, God will hear you. So here we go. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, I'm broken, and I can't fix myself. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave. I ask you to forgive me and make me your child. In Jesus name I pray, amen. If you just pray with me, let me congratulate you on the biggest decision of your life. And now we have a gift for you. We'd like to send you free of charge some awesome items that will help you in your new life. If you just pray with me, all you have to do is text my hope to 97000 and we'll get these gifts to you. Well, even in our weary world of 2020, we have so much to rejoice about. The God that we need so desperately is here among us.